This is Transforming Truth with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. And good morning, Detroit. This is Reverend Chris Palmer here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. It's so good to be with you, and I am live tonight here at WMUZ. You know, people said to me, Brother Palmer, it seems like you haven't been live in a while. They said, have you been live and just not taking calls? And I said, well, I said, I've been out preaching and traveling the world and ministering the gospel, so I have not been in the studio for a couple weeks, but I have good news. I'm here tonight. So you listening to me are listening to a live broadcast. So I want to remind you that if you have prayer need in your life, if you need God to touch you in a supernatural way, listen friend, I sense the anointing of the Holy Ghost up in this studio tonight, I feel His power, I feel His presence, I want you to call tonight, 313-838-1035, I'll be here the next hour, if you have something that you want me to come together with you in agreement concerning, if you're listening tonight and you have back pain, you have kidney failure, You have some type of debilitating sickness in your body. God can heal you by His Spirit. You know, there's so many people that are angry at God, but they don't realize that our God is loving, He's kind, He's wonderful, He's bountiful. The Bible says in Psalms that He's slow to anger and He's full of mercy. And friend, He wants to meet you where you're at right now tonight. So if you need deliverance, uh, if you're listening tonight and you're confused, I want to pray against the spirit of confusion that might be coming against your mind. Or, I know that there are people, when they go to bed at night, and they wake up in the middle of the night with, with uh, night sweats, all anxious and concerned. You know, the devil, you know, one thing I find that's interesting in Scripture is that when Judas betrayed Jesus, the Bible says that when the morning came, you'll see that uh, Judas got upset, and uh, he became very regretful. There's something about the morning and the night where the devil likes to come to people and torment them. And if that's you and you can't sleep at night, call in 313-838-1035. And I want to pray and believe God for you and minister his word and his spirit to you tonight in a very special way. Uh, I also want to make mention before we get into tonight's teaching that we have a podcast. If you go on iTunes, you can go to On the Road with Chris Palmer. All of our shows here in Detroit and Our broadcasts that go out to the Boston area are archived in that podcast, as well as some of the selective preaching that I feel will be beneficial for people that tune into our podcast. We put that on there, and it's free, it's for you, and it will be a blessing to you. Also, I want to remind you that we are a listener-supported broadcast. I want to thank all of our partners that have been writing to us and supporting us with their prayers and financially. Paul told the church in Philippi, he said that, uh, that he told him, he said that you sent once and again unto my necessity, not that I uh, want, but I have all. He said, but that I desire fruit may abound into your account. And so we're thankful for everybody uh, in the same way that Paul was thankful for the church at Philippi, for the people that helped send him and caused him to do his apostolic ministry three and some people would even say four missionary journeys all across Europe planning the gospel we are thankful also for our partners that send us places next week 
I'll be taking off on a plane to Sicily, Italy. And I know people say, oh, that sounds so fun. You get to go to Sicily. Well, it's work. I go there from the minute I get off the plane to the minute I get back on the plane. I'll be preaching the gospel. They have me traveling all over the island, preaching everywhere in three different cities every single day, uh, plus traveling. And uh, it's because of your sponsorship and your partnership that makes our trip successful. And so we thank you, and I want you to know that we love you and all of our partners with the Transforming Truth Radio broadcast. Now, uh, I want to remind you, 313-838-1035. I know it's Saturday night. I know some of you just getting back from the movies, <laughs> and some of you are just getting themselves tucked into bed. But God wants to touch you tonight, and he wants to minister to you. Don't let tonight go by. If you feel the Spirit of God pressing in your heart, I believe there's people tonight you're listening. You don't believe in God. You don't even believe that God exists. The Bible says the fool says in their heart that there is no God. And uh, so I want to uh, let you know that uh, it takes a whole lot more faith to be an atheist than it does a believer in God. And so I want you to keep your heart open to the Lord Jesus. And I want you to uh, let his word minister to you. We're going to go to the phones tonight. We have Sean. How are you tonight, Sean? Chris, thank you. Yes, I'm doing well. Um, you know, I was brushing my teeth tonight in the bathroom sink. And previously, earlier in the day, we'd put some Drano down in the sink, and the water was filling up in there again, and I didn't realize that I did it automatically. When I dropped my toothbrush, I picked it up and kept on brushing my teeth. Uh-huh. And you can imagine why I'm a little concerned. Well, I wouldn't be so concerned about it if you need uh Do you need prayer? Yeah. yeah. You don't think I need to be concerned about it? Well, I think that if you... I mean, if you feel that you've been poisoned, then... Uh, well, no. I mean, it's just that, you know, I, I built the water out several times and the water was in there, but I'm just thinking of the... Uh, verse uh, with Paul that uh, mm -hmm. they'll take up serpents and no poison will hurt them. You, you know what I mean? Yes, sir. Well, I believe that for you. Let me pray for you, Father. In Jesus' name, I declare in Sean's life that no, your word says in Matthew sixteen fifteen to 18 that they'll drink any deadly thing and it shall not hurt them. And so, Father, we just sign, seal, and deliver it right now in Jesus' name in Sean's life. I command that your word go forth in his life. And we thank and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. So Amen. We, we touch and agree, Sean, okay? Okay, great. God thank bless you. you. Don't be anxious. Don't let the devil beat up on you. Go to bed in peace, okay? Okay, great. All right. God bless you, man. Thanks. Okay. All right. Boy, I tell you, drop your toothbrush and Drano. That's not a good thing, but we believe that everything will be well. I want to, uh, so remember, 313-838-1035. And uh, if you have a prayer request, call in, or if you want ministry, call in tonight. I want to minister to you some tonight that as the Spirit of God began to uh, progress in my life, He taught me something called the laws of meditation. The laws of meditation, uh, it says in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, that when this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt keep it before thy eyes, it says... Uh, and shall meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And it says also in Psalm chapter 1, 
I'm laughing here because before I started the show, uh, my board operator, Steve, saw me spill a huge cup of tea all over my cell phone and all over everything, except for my Bible, thank God. I just got this brand new Bible, and it would have been a tragedy to get tea all over it. Um, it says here in Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, and does not stand in the way of sinners, and sits in the seat of scornful. But it says in verse number 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Two verses talk about meditating the word of God day and night. There is a concept that I call the law of meditation, where you learn how to get into the word of God, and how to meditate it to a point where the word starts becoming alive to you. This is not just simply reading the Bible casually or cursory the way you'd read a newspaper, but rather it's getting into uh, the Word of God where you're reading it, you've locked in on it, you have missile lock on the Word of God, and then the Holy Ghost gets in there with you and starts causing things to come alive. And it's very exciting. Now, people say, well, how do I, how do I engage in meditation when I'm reading the Scripture? Well, first of all, let me say this. Unless you learn how to meditate the Word of God to where it starts becoming alive to you, Bible is going to be locked out to you. And the Spirit of Wisdom and Revelation, who is the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 1, 17 and 23, He operates and functions out of meditation. Meditation is His tool. So, if you don't give the time to meditate the Word, or... If you neglect the power of meditation, you limit the Holy Spirit as your teacher to teach to you the Word of God. Now, I understand devotionals are good, and you have some of your favorite devotionals. You find them at the Christian store, or you pick them up in the newspaper, or the church hands them out to you on Sunday mornings. And those are good, but don't let those replace to you the richness that is scooped off of meditation. Meditation will unlock to you some fabulous jewels that are in the Word of God. And the more that you allow yourself to learn uh, about the Word of God will increase your capacity for meditation. I can tell you that the meditation that I take part in now from the Word of God has become far richer than it was back when I was in college. Because I've added to my body of knowledge. I was talking to a preacher the other day. And I told him, uh, the more you grow in the Word of God, <clears throat> there will be times where you will find out that you have to preach or minister ten minutes before that you, ha uh, you actually get up to do it. But if you have a body of information and knowledge, all you need to do is add that body of information and knowledge to the Holy Spirit to anoint it, and you're going to be okay. Because as you grow in wisdom and in grace, you grow in, as you grow in wisdom and in knowledge, you grow in grace and favor with the Lord. And He takes what's in you and He causes it to be blessed. And so the, the more you grow in your relationship with the Lord uh, and the more you grow in knowledge, the greater the body of information that you're going to have and the richer your meditation is going to become. And that was kind of a rabbit trail because I want to get into what uh, I'm teaching on tonight. I was in my hotel room <clears throat> last week, and I was preaching in Virginia. And, um, you know, the Spirit of God got in that hotel room with me, and He started showing me something from the Word of God. And I just tell you, when the Holy Ghost <laughs> gets in the Scripture with you, 
time can just fly by. Just goes by. There's been times where I've been reading the Word of God. And my eyes are heavy because I always read the Bible before I go to bed. Somebody told me one time, they said, I'm having trouble going to sleep, Brother Palmer. I can't fall asleep at night. I said, well, just pick up the Bible and read it till you fall asleep. They said, what do you mean? I said, well, listen, (laughs) either A, you're going to get tired and fall asleep, or the devil's going to try to put you to sleep because he doesn't want you knowing what's in that book. So they tried it and came back, and I said, how'd it work? They said, oh, man, I picked up that Bible and I fell asleep. Well, I know it sounds terrible, but try it sometime. If you can't fall asleep, pick the Bible up and start reading it chapter by chapter and watch how quick you fall asleep. The Bible says in Psalms that he giveth his beloved rest. Sleep belongs to you. There's somebody you're listening tonight. You've been having a difficult time sleeping. You've been dealing with insomnia. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of that over your life. Tonight, I declare you have your first eight hours sleep. And you'll wake up rested. Your mind needs to reset itself and have a rest. And so I speak that over you now in Jesus' name. I want to read to you tonight from Luke chapter 9. It says here in verse number 48... And this is what the Spirit of God ministered to me when I was in uh, Virginia. And I want to teach it because, you know, there's sometimes you look in the Word and you think to yourself, Now, how have I not seen that? All this time I've been studying the Word. I never, ever saw it like that. And I was so excited. And I was in uh, Sturgis, Michigan this afternoon doing a wedding and had to drive two and a half hours back. And I was thinking, now, do I got this in me enough to teach it? And I certainly do. Uh, I spent some time this morning meditating it in my hotel room. And I'm very excited about teaching it. And preached it last week in Virginia. So, And the people were blessed. So I said, I'm taking this on my broadcast and teaching it. Luke chapter 9 and verse 48. Jesus is talking. And it says here, And he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receives me. And whosoever shall receive me receives him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. And then it says here in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is talking, and he's saying the exact same thing. And it says here in verse number 40, and it says 41, it says, He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever shall give to drink Unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. Oh, that's powerful right there. Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Now I realize it's 12.15 in the morning. This is going to be some heavy teaching tonight. But listen. Hey, listen. This is what we're going to do. My, my ministry is to mature believers up in God. And to teach them the deep things of God. And so I want to show you what Jesus is talking about right here. Because I tell you, I almost jumped flat out of my hotel room and ran through up and down the hallways screaming and shouting when I saw this because I thought, how could I have not seen this? Okay, I'm going to get to it. I'm just excited. Boy, I feel like I should be preaching tonight. My board operator is over there looking at me like, man, he's going to take off running right now. Now, let's put this in context. It says here in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 30, this is the Mount of Transfiguration. Understand what's going on right here. Jesus is on the mount. He's with Peter, James, and John. Then Moses and Elijah show up. They begin speaking with Jesus. And then after this, it says, 
in verse number 37 in Luke chapter 9, and it came to pass that on the next day, so they spent the night on the hill. When they were come down from the hill, much people met him. Jesus was a superstar. Everywhere he went, people followed him. It says in verse number 38, Behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is my only child. And in verse number 39, he tells Jesus the problem. He says, a spirit takes him. We're talking about a demon spirit, a wicked spirit. And so enter now, we're talking about demonic powers. Because this theme's not going to go away until after the 10th chapter. And, it's, and, and you're going to find out this is what this whole thing's going to be about. He says, and suddenly he cries out, and it tears him, that he foams again, and bruising him hardly departs from him. In verse number 40 it says, and I besought your disciples to cast the devil out, and they could not. Verse number 41, Jesus replies and says, Oh, you faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring your son here. Verse 42. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him again. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and took the child and gave the child to his father. Verse 43. They were all amazed at the mighty power of God. Now notice what it says here. That what did it take to cast the devil out of this child? Verse 43, it was the power of God. So when you're discovering what does it take to deliver somebody from the chains and the power of the enemy, it takes a higher power, and that is the power of God. But the real question that's going to be raised in just a second, and here's what I want you to focus on tonight is, what qualifies you to carry the power of God? We know that it's the power of God that casts out devils. We know that it's the power of God that heals the sick. We know that it's the power of God that causes people to be delivered. Friend, your answer is the power of God. The world needs to see the power of the Lord on display. But what qualifies you to carry that power? Then Jesus says in verse number 44, Lest these sayings sink down into your ears, the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. Number 45, it says, But they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them, that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. Now, in verse number 46, something takes place, and all of a sudden you have Jesus' disciples, and they're all sitting around, and they're having a conversation. <laughs> all 12 of them. You can imagine if they're all preachers, they're all doing a bunch of talking and nobody is doing a bunch of listening. I remember one time I was in Orlando at a preacher's conference and a whole bunch of us evangelists went out to, to, to lunch to talk about, you know, evangelist stuff, things that preachers talk about. And they were all preachers and I was laughing because, and I think I even tweeted, I said, man, everybody I'm sitting with is a preacher and everybody's talking and nobody's listening. <laughs> That's just how it is with preachers, I guess. It says in verse number 46, then there arose a reasoning among the disciples, which of them should be the greatest. Here they are. Think about who's having this conversation. The same disciples that could not cast the devil out of this child on the Mount of Transfiguration are sitting around 
after a failure, talking about who's going to be the greatest among us. You would think that after a failure, you're not going to sit around and talk about who's going to be the greatest. You're going to sit around and talk about how you can access the power of God. Now, this is why I love Jesus, because Jesus was one of the greatest. Te- no, let me just say it. Let me stop. He was the greatest teacher of all time because he had a way of knowing exactly what's going on in people's hearts. And it says in verse number seven, Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him. Now, when it says that he perceived the thought of their heart, that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't hear their conversation because he was too far away and then by the Spirit heard what they were talking about. He probably heard the conversation, but when it says he perceived the thought of their heart, it meant that he knew why they were having this conversation. They were having this conversation because of the pride and the uh I don't want to say arrogance because it sounds harsh, but I'll just say it. The arrogance of their heart. They thought that they were qualified simply because they were the chosen 12. And look what it says in verse number 47. Jesus took a child and set him by him. Now, the child had to be younger than 14 because John was the youngest disciple and he was 14. So I imagine this child had to be a child back... uh, in biblical days, entered into the school, uh, the rabbinical school at the age of seven. So if it was my guest, I would say it was probably around that age. He took the child and said to them, in answer to their question that was in their heart, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever shall receive me receives him that sent me. For he that, and it says here, and whoever shall receive me receives him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. Now, this is where the teaching is going to turn and get radical. And what I did is I have my Greek Bible here. Because I, when I saw this, I told the Lord, I said, God, now I'm going to have to look this up in the Greek. Because I went to other translations and it, and it looked different. So I had to go to the Greek Bible. And I had to get exactly what it said in the Greek. And this is what it says. And it says here in verse number 49 in the King James Version. And John answered and said, Master, called Jesus Master. He said, we saw one casting out devils in your name. Look what it says here again. I'm going to read this again. See if you catch it. After Jesus, now look at what's happening. Jesus has the child, brings the child before them, and tells you that this child is what you need to become like in the kingdom of God to be greatest. And John, after he sees Jesus' illustration, says, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name. People miss this. Because in other translations, it says, we saw a man casting out devils in your name. But in the Greek, in the 49th verse, the word anthropos, which means man, person, or human being in the Greek, is not used. Actually, the, the word Tina is used. It's an article. And so the word Tina right here simply refers to not a man specifically as a male 
or an adult full-grown man. It technically modifies the subject of the last sentence. And so Tina in this verse would actually refer as uh, to the child. So what he's saying is that we saw a child casting out devils in his name, in the name of Jesus. And he says, and we forbade the child because he didn't follow with us. Jesus said to him in verse number 50, forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. This child was casting out devils in the name of Jesus. And from the sentence here, we see that he was successful doing it. And John was saying, we forbade him not to do it now. This is where this teaching is going to start coming together. Here's the question that I want to pose tonight on the radio. Why did the disciples forbid the child not to cast the devil out? Was it because he, was he completely truthful, saying because he not follow with us? Or was it because the child was having success at casting the devils out when just a few verses before this, Jesus' disciples were trying to cast the devil out and they were unsuccessful casting the devil out. And then they see a child doing what they could not do and he's younger than them. Boy, I tell you, I wish I was preaching to church right now because I preached this <laughs> in Virginia. And it was awesome. But now, if you're listening tonight, 313-838-1035. 313-838-1035 if you want to call in, if you need God to meet you tonight, or if you have a prayer request, uh, and you need prayer, and you want the Spirit of God to minister to you, I want you to call in 313-838-1035. So, we're talking tonight, and I'm talking to you tonight about what qualifies you to carry the power of God. Well, apparently... One thing's for sure. What qualifies you to carry the power of God is certainly not age. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Let no man look down on you because of your age. Or don't let any man, one version says, despise you because of your youth. The power of God, if you're taking notes by the radio tonight, I want you to write this down. The power of God does not rest upon age. The power of God rests upon revelation. The power of God follows authority. When you have a revelation of the Jesus that you follow, then you have, a, you have qualified yourself to carry the very manifest power of God wherever you go. And this child right here is proving it. Now, I don't know much about this child Jesus took and is talking about. But one thing's for certain, he probably had seen Jesus cast out devils. As a matter of fact, it's possible, it's very possible that the child saw Jesus cast the devil out of the, the young boy that uh, had diseases in him. And when he saw that, that activated him in the supernatural power of God and caused the child now to do what Jesus was doing. By representation through his faith. And the disciples didn't like that. 
So he's showing you that there was something right in the child's heart that was wrong in the disciple's heart. Now watch this. The child was casting out devils in the name of Jesus or in the authority of Jesus. And he was doing that because he believed on Jesus. Now, in reference to this, in verse number 48, let's read it again. Jesus, now we know a little bit something. We know a little something about the child that was casting out devils. He believed on Jesus. So it says here in verse number 48, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. So when it says receive the child, what do you mean by receive the child? As what? Well, let's go back to Matthew chapter 10 here for a second. Let's see exactly what Jesus was talking about. He said here in verse number 42, whoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple. He was talking and calling this young child a disciple. Somebody that was fit to represent Jesus. As young as this kid was, he had the faith of a child. He had enough faith in Jesus to qualify him to carry the very miracle power of God. And we're going to see in just a second, it didn't just include doing the miraculous works that Jesus did. It included heralding the name of Jesus. It included declaring the name of Jesus. And what Jesus was talking about is anybody that sees this little child who has faith in me doing the miraculous in my name, and if they hear what this child is saying... If they believe on what this child is saying, he's going to preach me. He's going to talk about me. He's going to declare my kingdom and declare that the king of the kingdom is here. And when anybody receives what this child is saying, then they receive me. They receive Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God. And if you receive me, you receive the Father. And this qualifies you to become adopted into the family of God and become a child of the living God. And everybody from least to the greatest becomes part of the family of God. And it doesn't matter if you're a child or it doesn't matter if you're a full-grown adult. You just received adoption into the family of God and they that were least among you now become the greatest because you are now part of the family of God because you believed on what a little child was saying Whew. that's powerful stuff right there <laughs> I'm losing my voice trying to preach it glory to God hallelujah friend it doesn't matter how old you are you, if you believe on Jesus, qualify to work the very power of God. If something as simple as a little child could see what Jesus is doing and preach and have an understanding of Jesus and work his works, oh my God, then you, friend, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how many abortions you may have had, no matter how many people you dislike and have been angry and mean at, until you, before you got saved. No matter what you've done, what you think to disqualify yourself, even if you're a murderer listening in prison right now, if you received Jesus, 
if you receive the Lord, you become adopted into the family of God, and where you once were least, you now become greatest. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now let's go here. We're going to go to break in just a second, but I want to move forward because this is, has a powerful ending. And look what it says here in verse number 51. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now he's headed towards the Passover. It says, And he sent messengers before him, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for Jesus. See, Jesus was getting ready to visit the Samaritans, and they were getting ready to have an encounter with God. Any time that people are ready to have, God wants people to have an encounter with him, he always sends people before him to prepare the way. But, the Samaritans, because they found out he was going to Jerusalem and he was a Jew, they didn't receive Jesus. And then it says here, in uh, verse number 57, that people came, they wanted to follow Jesus. But I want to focus in on chapter 10 now. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 72 also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself was going to come. See, this is the strategy. This is the ministry strategy that Jesus has. And that was before... See, Jesus only Jesus knew that his time was short. He didn't have all this time to go to every single city that was on the map. Couldn't just go to Capernaum and go back to Nazareth and then go visit Nain and then go over to Gennesaret again. He, ha he had to be strategic about where he went. So what he did was, he says, I'm going to develop a strategy. I'm going to get 70. And it doesn't, we always talk about how he ordained 70. But it says here, the 70 also, which means that there were other people ordained. And that's including the ones that he just sent into the village of the Samaritans. Okay. So it sounds like 72 here. Plus his disciples, that sounds like about 84. P more than that, probably, because it says messengers. That could have been two or three or more, maybe more than that, maybe 50. I don't know. But it was more than 70 that he ordained. And he sent these people into the cities before him. And he gave them a charge. And he said, the reason I'm doing this is the harvest truly is great and the laborers are few. And then he says, go your ways. I send you forth as lamb among wolves. And then he says in verse number 5, Into whatever house you enter, say, Peace be to this house. Peace be to this house. Now what does he mean by that? When it says, Peace be to this house. Well, when he says this here, he's not talking about the peace of God that passes all understanding. He's talking about reconciling peace. Not the peace of God, but rather he's talking about something that precedes that. And that's the Romans 5 kind of peace. That's peace with God. And it says here, And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. And it says, If not... It shall turn to you again. What is he talking about where it says, if the son of peace be there? That's talking about people that want to receive the Lord Jesus into their heart. If they receive the son of God, 
that causes men to have peace with God, then what, when they say your peace shall rest upon it, what is he talking about when he says your peace shall rest upon it? Well, he's saying that the peace of God that you have, that you're carrying, that peace is going to rest upon them as well. So what he's talking about is he's talking about transforming or making disciples or he's saying that you can receive the reconciling peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same peace that those disciples had with God through Jesus Christ, he's trying to get them to spread it to everybody else through receiving the Son of Peace. But it doesn't just leave it at that. He says here in verse number 9, Heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come unto you. And then he says in verse number 10, And whatever city you enter, that they and they receive you not, go your way out in the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city, which cleaves unto us, we do wipe off against you. And then in verse number 12 and verse number 13, what it says here is he pronounces judgment upon the cities that will not receive the Lord Jesus. And then it says here in verse number 17, and the 70, not the 12, not the 15, it says, but the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So after all this is said and done, Jesus gives them a command, appoints them and tells them, go out there and preach the gospel. Go into the cities that I myself would go into and tell them they can have peace with God and then heal the sick. And then after this, they come back. And the very first thing that they say is that the devils are subject unto us through that name. What's interesting about that? Is that in the very beginning when all this started happening after the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples could not cast out devils. Jesus cast the devil out. A child cast the devil out. And now everything changes. And they come back and it's not just 12 but 70 are saying we're casting out devils. What happened on their missionary trip? We're going to find out when we come back for a break. Stay tuned and we'll be right back after this. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. We fall down, but we get up. Oh, yes. For a saint is just a sinner who fell down. But we couldn't stay there. And God, say now, we fall down, but we get up, we fall down, but we get up, we fall down, but we get back up again. We can't stay there. There's a seed of righteousness inside of you. Oh, we stay down. But we get back up again. We fall down sometimes. But we get back up again. Yes, we do. We rise back up again. For the same. 
No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, you can get back up again. Get back up again. No matter how far you fall, you can get back up again. He's waiting on you. Just get back up again. Oh. Get back up again. Get back up again. Get back up again. Get back up again. He's waiting on. Get back up again. Arms open wide. Get back up again. Run to his arms. Get back up again. Run to his arms. WMUZ Detroit. Buy an HD radio and experience amazing crystal clear digital sound and listen online at WMUZ.com. And this is Reverend Chris Palmer here, the late night hour, 103.5 WMUZ, the light on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. Thank you for tuning in, my friend and partners. God bless you. And we are getting back into talking tonight about your spiritual authority in the kingdom of God. I made a statement uh, before we went to break. And I said that authority does not rest upon age. It rests upon revelation. And the presence of God rests upon your revelation. The access point into operating in the kingdom of God. See... We have made church out to be, a lot of times, something we do out of tradition, something we do because it's just what we do culturally, but church is what we, uh, is not something that uh, we just come together and just fellowship. That's going in here, that's fine, fellowship is good, but we should be, or, or come together as we had, you know, people say, well, I had a bad week, I guess got to go to church and hear the word. Well, it's good to hear the word. But we're going to church because we're soldiers in the army of God, and we're coming to receive our marching orders for the week. Come together as the saints, meet, report how things went, and go back out there and make disciples. If we had that mentality as the body of Christ, 
Jesus would come a whole lot sooner. We'd have this thing wrapped up a whole lot quicker. You know, take inventory in your life and think, when was the last time you led somebody to Jesus Christ? And uh, then ask yourself, when was the last time you even tried to lead someone to Jesus? And then if you want to even be more introspective, ask yourself, when was the last time you thought to lead somebody to Jesus and didn't want to lead somebody to Jesus because it was inconvenience for you at the time? Well, see, you know, those are the kind of things you have to check your heart for because if you are thinking leading someone to Jesus is inconvenient, that's not pleasing to the Lord. And that's disobedience. And in order to have the power of God in your life, you have to operate and have an obedient heart before the Lord. I posed a question before, and I just felt led to share that. I posed a question before we went to break. And in verse 17 it says, in Matthew chapter 10, excuse me Matthew, Luke chapter 10 verse 17 it says, And the seventy returned again with joy, with joy, charis in the Greek. It means a calm delight. Now, if you were one of the nine disciples that were trying to cast the devil out, and you were unsuccessful, then you go on a trip into the cities that Jesus was supposed to go in, and you come back, and you've seen devils cast out. You're going to have joy because you've succeeded. This joy that they had was because of success. And part of the reason why this was so amazing is because I shared this on one of our previous broadcasts, is that uh, in that time, they had seen the new devils, and the, the Jews believed in devils, but nobody, even in the Old Testament, had the power to command devils. The power had not yet been released into the earth. And now they're saying, hey, there's a whole new thing going on, because never before have we seen power where we can overcome devils. And they're saying, and they're full of joy because they're saying, we have this power to cast out devils. We have this authority to cast out devils. But look what they said. They put a clause in here, and they said that devils are subject unto us through your authority. So when we operated in the authority that you gave us, the devils obeyed. You know what that tells me? That tells me in Luke chapter 9 that when the disciples were trying to cast a devil out, the nine oh now this is so powerful whose authority were they trying to cast the devil out in? They were doing it. You say, well, I don't know. Who's a, wasn't it Jesus? Well, if it was, they would have cast it out. But, I'll tell you whose authority they were trying to cast the devil out. Verse number 46 of Luke 9. There arose a reasoning which of them should be the greatest amongst themselves. They were self-conscious and they were God-conscious. The devil, in Luke chapter 9, they were trying to cast it out. In their own strength and in their own authority. And that's why Jesus called them faithless. And that's why he called them perverse. is because he was referring to the pride and the arrogance that they had in their heart. Wanting to receive the exaltation that only comes in the name of Jesus. And he comes back and doubles back and he rebukes them and warns them in verse number 20 of Luke 10 and says, 
Notwithstanding, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject unto you. But rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What, what, what does that have to mean? That means this. Don't rejoice because you think it's your own strength that's casting out the devils. Rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, rejoice that you have become a son and a child of your father. It's now because of your position of sonship and adoption into the kingdom of God that the power of God can rest upon you. It's because of this position of authority that you now have power over devils. And it's all because you've been adopted into the family of God that you can carry the family's authority. So what Jesus was talking about is the difference between doing things in your own strength and doing things by the Spirit of God. Something changed between these verses. I really believe that when the disciples saw a child casting out devils and Jesus told them to receive the child, that there was a heart change inside of the disciples and they realized where they had missed it and not being able to cast out the devils. And now they can operate in the power of God. Because they got their heart right. <clears throat> now look here in Luke chapter 10 verse 21. Because he's going to wrap it up here. Just like we're going to wrap it up in just a second. In that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit. And he said. Now look at now Jesus is happy. There's people here. They say well you know God doesn't want me to operate in the power. And that went out with the disciples. No, 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 no. The power of God didn't go out with the disciples. The power of God is still here. Jesus rejoiced when they could cast out the devils and rebuked them when they couldn't. And he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he prays and he says to the Lord, I thank thee, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hid these things from... Now look what he says here. The wise and the prudent. He's talking about proud people in their own way. The kingdom of God is hid from people that are full of their own pride and their own selfish thinking. They can never operate in the power. But to operate in the power, you have to be like a babe. Isn't it interesting that Jesus comes back and he starts talking about babes again? Babes. Why babes? He's talking again and he's remembering the child just a few weeks ago that they saw casting out devils. And he's saying when people are proud, no matter what their age, they're locked out from the kingdom. But when people are like babes then they have the ability to operate in kingdom and family power. And it says, For it seemed good in thy sight. Now, verse 22. All things are delivered to me of my Father. And no man knows who is the Son but the Father. And who the Father is but the Son. So the Son knows who the Father is. The Father knows who is the Son. It sounds like there's a father-son relationship here that's going on between the family. But then he says, and he to whom the son will reveal him. In other words, the son can come along 
and he can let people in on the secret. And he turned unto him and his disciples and said to them, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you heard and have not heard them. What's he talking about? He's not talking about their natural eyes. He's, he's talking about their spiritual eyes. And what he's telling them is, your eyes are blessed. Oh, this is powerful right here. Because your heart is now aligned and is no longer arrogant and proud, but because you have received my instructions about becoming like a child, and your heart is right, I can reveal to you the family secrets. I can reveal to you things concerning the power of God. And that is really things concerning Jesus. And when I reveal to you things concerning who I am, then the power and the authority comes upon you. You know what it takes to operate in the power of God? Some people say, well, it takes seven years in seven years of fasting and ten hours a day of prayer and those things are good but it really takes a revelation of Jesus the minute that you start understanding who Jesus is that's when the power is triggered in your life people do a lot of stuff to formulize the power of God all it takes is one revelation of Jesus power of God starts following your revelation of Jesus Christ that's what it takes to operate in the power. After that, he tells his disciples, uh, you, and he tells them that their eyes are blessed. Your eyes are blessed. Your spiritual eyes are blessed when you uh, access revelation knowledge uh, concerning the kingdom of God. We are uh, going to encourage you. Spend time meditating the word of God. Spend time in the Word of God so that you can access the power of God. We have Monique on the phone. Monique, we have about one and a half minutes. God bless you. How are you tonight? I'm fine, Pastor. Real Glad quick. To hear you. We have, right. we have about one minute. Go ahead. Yeah. Can you give me the address of your ministry? Yes, ma'am. Do you have a pen? Yes. P.O. Box. 403 Wald Lake, Michigan 48390 Can you say that again? It's P. Box 403 Wald Lake Michigan Michigan Yep 48390 48390 Yes ma'am Thank you very much Pastor Uh, Welcome back May God come here to bless you. Thank you, Monique. May the hand of the Lord be upon you in Jesus' name. God bless you, my sister. Yes, I, I had the opportunity of meeting with you in uh, Word of First Church. Well, praise God. But I couldn't talk to you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's okay. Just I'll find another way to meet you so that I can talk with you. Amen. Well, I have some things coming up in the late fall that uh, you'll get a chance to, okay? Uh, where is that? Well, I'll, I'll keep you abreast. I haven't, I haven't released the info yet, but I have some events coming up, and so I'll let you know, okay? Okay, okay, Pastor. God bless you. We love you. We love you, too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Well, that comes to the end of our teaching tonight.
we're so thankful for wonderful listeners like Monique that call in and want to bless us uh, by letting us know that they listen. Um, remember, if you want to write to us, P.O. Box 403, Wall Lake, Michigan, 48390, com, or email us, info at com. If you enjoyed tonight's teaching, let us know. I don't think anybody is more excited about fresh revelation than your host, Reverend Chris Palmer. We love you. Let me pray for you tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for every listener tonight. I break the power of the enemy over every person that listens tonight that's bound with an addiction, bound with a habit. I pray tonight, Father, that your presence would feel wherever they're at. I pray, Father, you give them the peace of God. And I pray, Father, the joy of the Lord rise in their heart. I give you thanks and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friend. Next week, 12, 15 a.m., the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. We love you and we will see you next week. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, chrispalmerministries.com or log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Ministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. And tune in again every Saturday night at 1215 a.m. for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ 103.5 FM, The Light.